Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I'm Joe Galina, and as always, I'm joined by my friend Scott Chu. Scott, how are we doing? Uh, I mean, I know that this has been kind of a trying time for you. Uh, just to let the people know, we're recording this on Tuesday, May 10th, uh, the day after. Uh, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing great, because the Tigers won a game. <laughs> they scored runs. Tariq Skubal looked good today, man. God, he's the stopper. <laughs> yeah. I've been telling you guys for ages. Yeah. Now you know. No, yeah. I, it's really exciting to see him kind of make like how he's succeeding, even when he doesn't always have his best stuff. That's really important. That's what I really like to see from these young pitchers is like, yeah, it'd be great if they just had three plus pitches ready to go, but like they don't. <laughs> so honestly, one of the nice things is being able to say like, oh, look, I saw what Scooble looks like when he didn't have one of his pitches and he can survive that way because you're going to have nights where you don't have your slider or your, you know, whatever, right? You can't, you know, you're, you're struggling to locate inside. You're not, you don't, you lose a weapon. Can you still win? And uh, Scooble's showing that this year, that he can do that. It also helps when you're uh, pitching against a team that has a total payroll of $1.99. Oh, I think like, it's... Uh, like the A's. Like, yeah, yeah. You know what's <laughs> funny is like this this, uh, this matchup was just... It's been ugly to watch, if only because both these teams slug under 320. <laughs> wow that's rough <laughs> yeah that is kind of rough uh but what i was referring to earlier uh was where were you when you heard the news about uh, akil badu being sent down to the minors how, how you taking it buddy this first i've heard of it i must have blacked out i must have blacked <laughs> out no this is good for badu um he needs we saw him make amazing um adjustments and transitions last season in season but you can only do that with playing time and he's just not able to contribute right now. Sending him down to the minors makes sense. They wanted to do it last season, but if they had done it last season, they would have had to the op, they would have had to lose Badu and give him back to Minnesota. So mm. now he can go down to AAA, work with the Tigers hitting coaches, and and see if they can get him on track. Yeah. So so what's the strategy fantasy wise? Uh, is there any? type of league format where you would say, Hey, look, you know, he's probably going to be down there for a couple of weeks. Hold on to him or oh, he's dynasty. Just... He's, okay. he's a dy He should only be on dynasty rosters right now. Redraft. You can let him go, mm -hmm. let him go. There's plenty of other outfielders in the sea. We'll talk about more of them today, but you know, really the back end of your outfield should always be rotating. Mm -hmm. You take a shot on a guy like Badu, And if it doesn't work, you go and pick up the Taylor wards of the world, right? right. You, you, you find what you need. And we'll, Again, we'll talk more about that a little later, but that's the thing is I, as much as I love Badu, like there was a reason I took a shot and he still might be worth it by the end, but right now he can hit the wire. That's fine. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, uh, let's move on. And it seems that almost uh, every podcast, Scott, we, we allude to, you know, the dead ball, you know, and there was an article in uh, Newsday, which is a a local New York, Long Island newspaper uh, written by Tim Healy uh, in which Mets players told uh, Mets batting coach Eric Chavez that they believed that the balls that were being used in games leading up to and 
in nationally televised games appeared to travel further. So it seems that Major League Baseball wanted to, you know, present uh, a, a game with more action, with more scoring when they were on national TV. This is the thing about some of these conspiracy theories. MLB's not this good at anything. <laughs> they don't get anything right. How could they possibly like have such an elaborate scheme where they get balls that travel a little further, but are otherwise imperceptible in their differences. Well, maybe they saved a box of balls that they used in 2019 and said, all right, put these on the side and make sure that, uh, you know, those ESPN games on Sunday, make sure that they used, uh, you know. (laughs) But like, again, that requires a level of competence that I just don't think exists in the, you know, front office at major league baseball. So I, I don't buy, but I will say that uh, one thing about the dead and ball. And the first time I heard about this was from Eno Saris. And it's a great point. The expected stats that everyone's using, what you need to know is the way the dead and ball affects those is that every year with expected stats, expected stats work by basically saying like every other player who hit a ball with this exit velocity and this launch angle had these results. So on average, your expected average would be if you hit a ball with, you know, 90, you know, 90 miles per hour at a 13 degree launch angle, then your expected average is 272, right? Like just period. It doesn't take anything else really into consideration. Uh, The problem is with this ball, if it's truly dead in the way they're saying it is, it's traveling. It, it leaves the bat at the same speed at the same angle, but because it's heavier, it will fall sooner, right? It will lose Mm -hmm. momentum and fall sooner. So that screws up the X stats because that ball should have traveled further. Right. So the X stats assume, so it takes time for that to get corrected in season. So like that, that's not to say don't use X stats at all. Just remember that one, you should really only be using them for hitters and not for pitchers. And number two, they don't have an automatic sample size, right? Mm-hmm. They, they do. It's better than regular. It's better than things like Babbitt, but it's still only a tool to tell you about luck and it won't, it can't, again, I can't stress this enough. Expected stats cannot discern the difference between a hot streak and a cold streak mm-hmm. or a hot streak and a skill change. It can't do any of that. All it can do is tell you, have they been lucky or not? Mm-hmm. Maybe to a degree, right? Cause it doesn't take into account things like pull or up the middle. Right. Uh, and that, that matters a lot, especially on ground balls. But anyway, that's kind of how it works with the X stats. And, and it does in, like they are impacted right now and it will make it look like certain players are more unlucky than they really are. Hmm. Okay. Great point. Uh, and if, and it was also a good point that you brought up in terms of, you know, MLB having the intelligence to, you know, finagle with the, with the baseballs and uh, who knows, but I, I was thinking maybe, you know, if we could, uh, if the, this pattern was real, uh, you know, it might help, uh, you know, if, if, you, if you like to gamble or whatnot, take the over on the uh, total runs on Sunday's game. So I was looking uh, this past Sunday, I think it was the Dodgers Cubs. There was eight runs scored uh, two weeks ago. It was the Phillies Mets. It was a 10, six, 16 runs scored. But then three weeks ago, it was just a one nothing uh, Brewers win. So eh, we'll see. But uh, uh, may have to wait until the 
warmer summer months to really form an opinion on this. Uh, but so far, we definitely know that home runs are down, and that has led to uh, less runs scored per game. And uh, per uh, baseball reference, co- going into yesterday's action, which is Monday, we're recording this on, on Tuesday the 10th, uh, there were 4.04 runs scored per game this season. Uh, last season, it was 4.53. And in 2019, the rabbit ball season was 4.83. Now, I know that you know, we're only using a month's worth of stats for this season and compare them to a full season's worth of stats for the other seasons I quoted. And, and yeah, we still have those warm summer months to, you know, that are going to be coming up and the ball travels better. But in terms of home runs per game, right now it's 0.914 home runs per game so far this season. Last year, 1.22. And then in 2019, it was 1.39. So don't doubt that the offense is down right now. But, you know, what are we prepared to do about it, Scott, in terms of uh, a fantasy strategy? I mean, I don't know if you ever saw the movie The Untouchables. Great movie. Uh, has a, a nice scene referencing baseball strategy uh, and team concept. You should watch it. Even just that one scene there, Scott. So Sean Connery's character tells Kevin Costner, who plays Elliot Ness, you know, now what are you prepared to do? So we have all this, this information that uh, offense is down. Uh, I mean, do you go run out and try to trade for, you know, the home run hitters like the Aaron Judges, the John Carlos Stantons, the Jordan Alvarez's who can hit a ball no matter what, hit a ball out of the park no matter what? Like, what's the strategy here? I mean, honestly, the main thing it does is just depress some projections that you have on certain players, particularly ones who can do a lot of stuff without a lot of exit velocity. Um you can, I mean, even with a dead and ball, you can still slap, right? I'm not worried about guys like a Luis Arias, who's on the IL and not super relevant in most leagues, but I'm not worried about those guys, right? I'm not even worried about a guy like Brian Reynolds. I worry a little bit about his home run peak, but he is hitting better and he's still going to be able to hit line drives. I'm worried a little bit more about the, the high fly ball sluggers, particularly the ones who maybe don't have the same like massive power right uh it's more like guys who who hit just a lot of balls in the air that's where this ball is going to go to die right this isn't going to affect line drives and grounders all that much it's those fly balls that are going to go out to die i'm going to worry a tiny bit about guys in big ballparks um and uh, honestly the other thing is it might all just cancel out by the time mm. we get to summer and all these yeah. places that are humid they yes. will now have a drier ball and it mm-hmm. can't be understated how much a humidor changes things in the game of baseball. Cause it literally makes the ball heavier, right? A, mm-hmm. a one way to deaden a ball is to just stuff it with water, make it heavier, right? Mm-hmm. That's what the humidor does, especially in some of these cold, dry climates that we have right now. But in the summer when it's hot and humid, like in Detroit, New York, they're going to suck water out of that ball because they mm-hmm. want the ball to be consistent all year. So I'm not like trying to just like go to bat for MLB. MLB doesn't care about me. I'm not on their payroll, but I will say that the problem is we don't know enough about the variables because we don't know how much the humidor is impacting things. I personally am not going to take on risks like trying to revamp my roster to make sure I only have guys who hit a lot of no doubters. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm I'm not going to do that because what if it is just like, what if the humidor is the difference? What if the humidor is 15 feet of those 20 feet, the ball's not going right. Then I just, you know, made all these moves and, and trade assets, but that wasn't the problem. The problem was the heat, right? right? The humidity. 
I just needed it to dry out, right? So, and then places, of course, that are always dry, you see a dead end ball there, places that are always humid, you see a ball that's a little more live. And in places that play indoors, you see no change at all. But like, that's, that's what I'm after. And I'm not really actioning anything. I'm right now, honestly, I'm still in the notice phase, right? I'm still noticing that this is happening. We're the reason all these reports are coming out now, even though we've all been talking about it for a while is because this is when we have data that might mean something might, Mm -hmm. but in another month, all of this data might change drastically. Yeah. And and if you remember like last year, offense was off to start the season also that everyone was making a big deal about it as well. And, you know, things kind of evened out a little bit, but, uh, and you mentioned big ballparks, not like the little league ballpark that my Yankees play in. Right. Did you hear that quote from um, the uh, Rangers manager on Sunday when uh, Glaber Torres hit the game winning home run? that uh, i did not <laughs> basically uh, i don't have the exact quote but uh you know glaber torres hit a a game-winning walk-off home run on sunday and uh rangers manager his name escapes me right now but he had said uh you know that the home run you know basically it was a home run that wouldn't have gone out in 99 percent of the ballparks uh basically the yankee stadium is you know, a little league kind of sized ballpark. So uh, I just thought it was kind of amusing. And then two managers went after each other a little bit. But It's uh, still the most amazing thing to me in Major League Baseball. It's the only, only like league, only major sport where they actually change the dimensions of the, of the field of play. Yes. Yeah. They, yeah. they change them dramatically mm-hmm. to the point where it impacts strategy. Boston. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like it's a big deal. And and it's just bizarre to me that you that you know it, it's cool I love it, but also you think about it compared to the other sports. Can you imagine like oh yeah the Lions are tough at home because they put the whole field on an incline, <laughs> right? Like yeah they got high walls behind the behind the uh, end zone so you can bounce it off of there. Like it, it's amazing. Yes, yes. So just the. Uh... In summary, ba- uh, stop messing with the baseballs, please, MLB. Um, you know, don't get rid of the shift. You know, I'm, I'm talking about all these changes they want to make. You know, I, I do want to see the pitch clock shaves uh, 20 minutes off of uh, games on average. Supposedly, I mean, look, you know, I could use the extra 20 minutes as lots of shows that I need to stream. You know, I just finished Ozark. Got to watch Better Call Saul, and the Obi Wan show is coming on, and all that stuff. Ted Lasso is going to come back, but uh, stop messing with the baseballs, please. And also, you know, Scott, where are you watching your games these days, man? The streaming stuff is is driving me a little crazy, too, because what was it? Sunday, the Yankees played a doubleheader, and the first game that they played, I couldn't find it. And for the life of me, I'm Googling, you know, because the Yankees uh, broadcast most of their games on their own network, the Yes Network. And finally, I found out that it was uh, streaming on Amazon Prime. And luckily, you know, I do have Amazon Prime. But then I, I go to the service, right? And I don't know if you've watched any of the games on Apple TV, but when you go to Apple TV to watch the games, it's on the, the landing page. You could just click on the link. But Amazon Prime, I had to do a search. It, it, it wasn't like on the home landing page. So it just drove me a little crazy. I don't know uh, if you've had similar experiences or have had a chance to watch any of these streaming options that baseball is using now. I mean, yeah, I use some of it. I'm a T-Mobile customer, so I get free MLB Network. The Honestly, like the the biggest thing for me is just like I wish it was just simpler to know where a game is going to be on. 
you know, is but having to figure out, especially like on the weekends, like, oh, it's a it's a nationally televised game. Okay, but on what network? Is, is this an FS one? Is this a you know, is this over on you know TBS? Like where where's this game? Right. Tell and me then, where the game is. Yeah, yeah. And then actually NBC uh had a Sunday afternoon game. Your regular NBC, not you know, the the uh cable NBC. So it's like there are so many different networks now showing baseball games, you know, like you mentioned, TBS, MLB will show their slate of games. Um and so it's just Apple TV. Have you watched any of the Apple TV broadcasts, by the way? No, not yet. No, no. They're getting some grief, man. <laughs> uh, reception to uh, Apple TV broadcasters. You got Melanie Newman, Chris Young, Hannah Kaiser. And uh, I'll just give you one person's um, description of it. He, he writes, it's Big Danny Cool, just an average baseball fan. He writes on his Twitter account, Dear MLB, I would rather listen to Joe Buck do play-by-play of my parents conceiving me for three hours than listen to the mindless driveling that is the commentators for the Mets Nationals Friday Night Baseball game on Apple TV. So I, I did watch some of this Apple TV broadcast. It is different. It takes some getting used to, and they you know, they're kind of working through it, but it's just, some some people aren't very happy with all these different streaming options. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. You have a, a favorite uh, broadcaster, by the way, Scott? No, not no. really. I, mean, I like I like Dan Dickerson of the Tigers on the radio, but otherwise, mm-hmm. I just want to be able to watch the baseball game. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Vince Scully was always a favorite of mine. I used to love it when MLB Network would uh, show the the games that he would do every once in a while. So, you know, former broadcaster for the Dodgers. But let's get back to actual fantasy baseball now. And uh, one guy I just want to just mention real quick is Juan Soto. Uh, Scott, he seems kind of human right now. And I, I need him to be a monster. I mean, this guy has six home runs, eight RBI. Not worried about him, right? But uh, do you think that his being the, the focal point of this uh, offense – that pitchers focus in on uh, is that just a little bit even too much for him to handle or or what no no okay. <laughs> i mean this is this is all just normal stuff to me uh he's obviously been hitting a bit better of late uh, a couple multi you know multi-hit games like three of those home runs have come since uh Fe- or april 29th he's i mean he's striking out more than usual and that's you know lately it but that's like overall, it's still, you know, it comes and goes in waves. This is just normal ebb and flow. Like, oh no, like he looks human. He's got a 149 WRC plus. He's slugging 468. His OBP is 396. So like he can handle it. It's just, you know, he's, I don't know if it's bad luck, but he's a little, you know, he's a tiny bit off and later he'll be even more on and crushing baseballs. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not worried about him, but I, I just thought I'd, when when you see that after a little over a month of the season, that Juan Soto has eight RBI, it kind of just sticks out at you. So, but uh, the, the, there is a Washington Nationals outfielder who's been getting some some attention, uh, Yadiel Hernandez. He just keeps on hitting. Um, and fantasy players started noticing that he was uh, somebody that uh, they went after uh, on waiver wires this week. 34 year old guy. Four minor league seasons, batted 301, 383, 506, could just straight out hit. And uh, heading into Monday night's action, was batting 365 with two home runs and 
15 RBI. Uh, do you have any shares of uh, Yadiel? I have him in a, a couple of five outfield leagues. He was actually interesting at times last season as well. Like in a full season, he would kind of fall into this normal like 20 to 25 home run, five stolen base kind of guy. Like a, the only thing that he does maybe a little better than others is he has shown really good uh, you know, batting average skills here. He makes a lot of contact, but otherwise, you know, he'd probably hit 270 and you know, I mean, it look a lot like what he did last year, except you could basically like in a full season, you could just double all those numbers because he does appear in a lot of games as a as like a pinch hitter and stuff. But he's mm-hmm. he's mildly interesting as an outfield streamer. Mm-hmm. Right. But but don't I mean, it's really easy this time of the year to like look at someone's stats and want to like project them out by just, you know, prorate, like just doing it and extrapolating from what they've already done or looking at like some basic skills and being like, Oh, well, X stat supports it. So it must be legit. Like, well, yeah. When you're hot, you're going to be stinging the ball all over the place Mm -hmm. and your X stats are going to look great because you're seeing the ball really well. And then they'll change how they approach you and all these things. And so it's going to be a bit of an ebb and flow. But if you look at what we've seen from him in all 400 career plate appearances in the majors, I think that's about what you get a good batting average and, a, mm-hmm. you know, probably a slugging close to 450. Yeah. Not yeah. bad. Not yeah. bad. Again, but it falls into the wash, especially in these three outfield leagues on Yahoo. Yeah. Where it it's just part of the wash. It's sort of like all of those 12 home run, 40 RBI, 220 hitting catchers like mm-hmm. that. You get to a point where that's just all of them. Like he's in this big glut of that's what he'd be if he played full time. Yeah. And so like, cool. And it also means that I wouldn't expect him to be on your roster uh, in July. Right. Well, like you, I uh, roster him in two five outfielder leagues. So, and uh, I agree, you know, in, in three in, in uh, t- leagues where you're starting three outfielders. I mean, right now you might, you might uh, put him in your lineup, but uh, by July you might take him out, but he has historically, Hit for a decent average, so uh, like I said, uh, uh, seems to have been making some noise this week on the waiver wire. And uh, I actually, he was a backup bid that I won uh, because uh, I didn't get uh, my hands on Juan Yepes. Uh, Cardinals uh, brought him up this week. Remember, we were talking about whether or not uh, Nolan Gorman would be bringing up, and you brought up a really good point in terms of that. Gorman's not on the 40-man roster, but uh, Juan Yepes uh, went for 18% and 7% fab in two 15-teamers that I'm in. Good plate discipline for uh, the type of power hitter that he is. Uh, K-rate, upper teens, the lower 20% range for basically his his minor league career, and uh, has gotten off to a good start for the Cardinals. Yeah, he has, and it obviously really strong numbers in the minor leagues this season and all of last season. Uh, it's not just the gaudy numbers. I mean, you look over at the WRC Plus, which adjusts the league, and he was about 50% better than the average AAA player, and he's about the right age, too. It's not like he's overage. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that there's a lot more here. The, the real question to me is going to be this hit tool and how well – that holds up because like, obviously it looks great right now because he's pummeling the ball, right? He's got five games and nine hits as of right now. And he'll probably have more of them tonight and more of them by the time this episode comes out. But again, <laughs> it's cool. They slotted him right into the fifth spot. That's a you know great place to pile up stats 
especially if you're, you know, for fantasy, but it's, it's a little tricky because if that, if that hit tool doesn't quite work out the way you want, he's not, I mean, this is, this is not a great fielder. He's fine, but he's like a slow plotting corner outfield type. Uh, He's, he's hard. He's hard to get super excited about yet because with this type of player, this like 60 power 40 hit tool type of player, you just have to see what happens after they stop feeding him fastballs and mm. they stop, you know, they, they start looking for holes instead of just giving him a sort of a generic attack. So that's the, that's the point where I'll really care. I mean, you can add him right now. If you just want to go with a player who's hot, I don't know. You know, this is not like some super heralded prospect. He's, you know, he was like barely a top 20 prospect for the Cardinals. Um, certainly not like a top hundred guy, not really on a lot of people's radar. And he can, he can do and he'll do some exciting things for a short time. What you need to do is see what happens after he starts to fade. Can he right. bounce back? Right. Well, yeah, for now, I mean, the Cardinals weren't getting much production out of their DH slot, and that's where he's he's hitting. And uh, like I said, we're recording this on, on Tuesday the 10th, and he's batting cleanup for the Cardinals. And uh, some other news came out from the Cardinals today. They sent down uh, Paul DeYoung, who uh, started the season as their – uh, everyday shortstop. So, uh, you know, you know, I'm going to bring up Nolan Gorman again. I, I, you know, I know that you, you brought up a really good point, not on the 40 men uh, roster, um, you know, 12 home runs in 26, 26 games, but also coming with a 34.2% K rate and that's in triple a. So we'll see what happens there. <laughs> yeah. I, I've never been a huge Paul DeYoung fan. He, uh, he's struggled a lot the last few seasons. He basically has these like one or two just great weeks where he's just like crushing the baseball or even like a month. He'll like have a hot April or something and then coast the rest of the season and Mm -hmm. be not very good. But, uh, that's like, you know, they're, they're probably getting tired of that. He's, he's just a guy. Now, the only, the only thing that's been saving him is there hasn't been like a lot of shortstop prospects coming through, uh, for them. So that's kind of what I want to see next is, you know, what, what short, you know, I don't think they're going to move Nolan Gorman there long-term. So, you know, who do they want to bring up at short, but mm. you know, again, until, until there's more of an opening, I just don't see, I don't see Gorman making it there. Not it's quite a, yet. It's a stretch, but Tommy Edmond has 17 career games at shortstop. You know, if they really wanted to, they could they could move him over and put Gorman in at second because uh, yeah. Gorman plays second and third. But you're not going to move uh, uh, Nolan Arenado for Gorman. But like I said, uh, you know, uh, I'd love to see Gorman. I love the power, but uh, that that K rate is, is a little scary. Yeah, he he's been striking out a lot in the minor leagues right now, and it's actually gotten a little worse of late um even though he's hitting well so he's gotten really aggressive at the plate he's not walking much at all he has four walks and 18 strikeouts in his last 44 at bats Mm -hmm. uh 49 plate appearances so it's it's not it's not great uh on that side but he is hitting the ball hard so i do think he'll come up this season Mm -hmm. eventually uh but don't i'm not gonna i i'm not gonna stash him in any league because it's probably too far out right now. 
Mm-hmm. And the upside for a player like this, like there's a lot of upside, but he he's not a big hit tool guy either. And he might struggle more than some of these other players that have come up and succeeded you know, right away. They tend to be the high hit tool players because at least they can make contact and, and they make the adjustment a little easier. So we'll, we'll see how it goes with Nolan Gorman, but uh, I, I'm not, I'm not waiting for him yet. Right. Well, th- there's been a lot of activity since our last pod, Scott. So many activities. Making my head spin. How many activities we can do? And uh, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we've had uh, lots of movement with some young players being promoted, being demoted. And we'll talk about an outfielder who uh, also has some problems with the strikeouts. And uh, we'll talk about him right after this. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, the fantasy baseball podcast. Scott Chu, and I'm Joe Galena. And I, I was alluding to an outfielder that has some strikeout issues. And, and Joe Adele got demoted again. Angels outfielder sent down to AAA, Scott. Um, 36.4% K rate this season. It had looked like he had, you know, gotten that kind of squared away in 2021 he had a 22.9 percent k rate that's uh the season before that he had a 29.2 percent k rate um so he's batting 231 this season walking just 1.5 percent of the time so uh had a 206 batting average against fastballs and a 273 batting average against breaking stuff. I, I, I want to know what kind of sense that makes, but uh, I, I don't know. What's the strategy if you're someone that has rostered Adele? I mean, obviously that's going to be someone in uh, deeper leagues or dynasty leagues. Uh, maybe they've already bought low on him. And if, if they wanted to, you know, move him, they could have to sell low. You want to know something funny, Joe, is that, in his first two games, Joe Adele is uh, is four for nine with a home run and three doubles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's, yeah. He, he went down and he struck out twice. <laughs> but he only struck out twice, but he wrecked the ball in his first two games. Uh, some of it might be confidence, but it's, again, he's he's always been this low low floor, high ceiling player. He's always been aggressive. He always swings it really, really hard. So, yeah, he. I mean, he's going to keep bouncing around. Uh, again, you're always going to keep an eye on the strikeout rate. I don't care as much about the walk rate for him because he could be successful with high walks or without, depending on what kind of strikeout rate he can settle into. 
Right. More youth coming up. Alec Thomas, outfielder for the Diamondbacks. Now, this guy came up out of nowhere. Got the call. Actually got the call be- before Corbin Carroll, who was getting some traction, getting some noise. You know, people were starting to talk about him. And, uh, you know, Alec Thomas, uh, power hitter. Very good batting average, 309 batting average in four minor league seasons. And the fantasy implication not only is that he's going to be, uh, you know, in the Diamondbacks everyday lineup for the short term, but it puts uh, Varsho, Darren Varsho, behind the plate instead of the outfield. Yeah, this all has to do with, uh, with actually an injury to Carson Kelly. Carson Kelly hit the mm-hmm. IL that put Varsho behind the plate opened up room for Alec Thomas. So, so it's pretty exciting. I mean, Alec Thomas is a, he's a really well-balanced player. And I think that's what I like the most about him. He's got speed. I think in a, if he had played a full season this year, you could probably, you know, I, I aggressively project something like a 15 home run, 15 stolen base season with like a 270 batting average, right? Uh, maybe 260, but I really like the kid's approach. I think that, you know, it's unfortunate that his team is no good, but he's hit well in, you know, in the minor leagues. He's got excellent play discipline. He makes plenty of contact. There's going to be a few adjustment periods here and there, but I'm telling you, this this kid could be really exciting. He's, again, it's hard to project him as like a top 50. Uh, like, he, I, I can't just like put him in as a top 50 player, top 100 hitter. Uh, it doesn't quite work like that, but I'll tell you that he's probably, someone should be rostering him in a 12-team league. Mm-hmm. It might not be you because you might be loaded in the outfield for whatever reason, but someone in your league really ought to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I made uh, some in- bids on him, but uh, couldn't get the uh, couldn't get it done. But uh, yeah, you mentioned Diamondbacks, uh, a bad team. They're actually sixteen and fourteen. <laughs> this this NL West is kind of weird, right? I mean, the Rockies are over five hundred. The Diamondbacks are over five hundred. What the heck is going on here? I, I understand, you know, the thing we learn in baseball is that the results are random. The results are random. And sometimes you just got to put your eyes on the team. And I'm looking at this lineup and pitching staff right now and, and feel pretty good about saying this is not a super strong squad. They're not going to win right. a World Series, no. No, no, this is not. We wouldn't call this a contender. Right. Right? It's amazing. I know I've joked about this before, but like Mark Melanson's not even the oldest guy on the team. Mm-hmm. He's not even the oldest guy in the bullpen, <laughs> thanks to Ian Kennedy. Right. But what I really want to see for Alec Thomas is I want to see him move up in the order, right? The problem is I also like Varsho up there, uh, mm-hmm. so he'd probably have to try to overtake Pavin Smith. And of course, this left-handed outfielder appears on the one team that has an almost exclusively left-handed lineup mm. and outfield. So we'll we'll see how it goes. But if he can just move up in the order, it'd be great. Either way, I do think he's going to get plenty of opportunities to hit and steal. So I do think they'll also let him run because he can run and they're the Diamondbacks. And if they're going to cling to anything, it's that they should be as aggressive as possible in winning more games because who knows when they'll do so again. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, George Kirby got called up by the Mariners. I know that uh, Nick and, and Alex are uh, uh, better equipped at, you know, given us an analysis of, uh, you know, his talents, but really pitched well in his debut, uh, seven Ks. Um, and again, uh, you know, I, I tried to, to roster him. It, it, he went for like 35% of a uh, fab. Yeah, I talked with- about George Kirby on the first pitch podcast earlier this week. And 
I, I think he is a real, I mean, he's a really good pitcher, right? I, I think I, we all really like the skills. We all like the talent and we love this result, but this is probably not what I would expect going forward. The strikeouts are really what are going to come down. Expect more modest strikeout totals as more teams get looks at him, but he does have, you know, several pitches that work. I think that he could stick in this rotation for most of the rest of the season. Um, if he, you know, can perform at a decent level. And other than that, I mean, he, yeah, he does a really good job. It, you know, I loved really seeing that he didn't walk anybody in that start because mm-hmm. uh, it shows that he can carry over that amazing command that he had in the minors into the majors. He, I mean, he's probably already picked up in most of your leagues. He's worth yes. doing that, but otherwise, you know, I'm, I'm interested, but this, you know, to me, this, I probably wouldn't have spent 35% of my fab. Right. He, that you have to have a heck of an impact to be worth that kind of cash. Right. Well, he's known for his, uh, you know, discipline and whatnot. The only thing that scares me off a little bit was the fact that in 2021, he only pitched 67.2 innings and uh, now he has 30.2. So you wonder how many innings the Mariners is going to let him go. Uh, yeah. And you wonder how many they let him throw in the, sort of off the books camp they had all yeah. you know mm-hmm. in 2020 and then it, you know what kind of ramp up did they have him doing you know all off season because you know in the minors they basically act like they own you so they'll I, I can't imagine him getting pulled before 100 or 120 innings yeah i um, would say probably, 120 is probably a good guess yeah and that's probably about as many as he he could get to right now anyway mm-hmm. yeah all right um red sox called up Jaron Duran for a cup of coffee. I mean, what the heck was this all about? Uh, he's actually been doing, I think we even mentioned him last week in last week's podcast. Uh, AAA numbers, really good uh, this season. 371, 451, 597. Basically played a game and then they sent him back down. Uh, I don't know what this was all about. Maybe is this kind of like a warning to uh, slumping Bosox uh, players that look, if you don't... Uh, if you don't uh, snap out yeah, of your give funk, him, give him you the know? flash of the goods yeah. that are that are this, in the minors. This guy could take your job, man. There's a reason. You know, <laughs> I, I believe he was a uh, 27th man, mm. uh, and that's why he came up and went back down. Um, oh wait, no, it actually was uh, it was Kike Hernandez. He mm-hmm. came up because Kike Hernandez went on the COVID IL, and then he got cleared the next day to come back. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they sent him back down. But he's you know he's exciting. Oh, I mean. I'm not sure there's room for him right now, which is weird because it's not like their outfield's very good. Yeah. But yeah. there's Jackie also Bradley like, it's a lot of guys that are they are long, they're paying these roster. guys. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. No, it's good. They're, they're paying these guys and they're all left-handed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the whole the whole outfield's left-handed. Uh except for Kike Hernandez. And so it's weird. Well, like, where does he like you sort of look at the roster and it's like, oh, so where do you slot him in? Cause he can't defend like Jackie Bradley jr. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think they want him to play center. I mean, maybe they do, but I don't, I think they like Kike Hernandez. So it's hard to find a path for him other than, I don't know, maybe the slump, like Alex Verdugo is slumping, but he's not losing his job. No, 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 no. Uh, if anything, like I mentioned, and I'm sorry if I overspoke you, but I mean, Jackie Bradley, yeah, he's known for his defense and that's it. You know, I mean, uh, couldn't hit a lick with the Brewers last season and uh, can't hit a lick with the Red Sox either. But uh, 
I guess we'll see. Uh, Royce Lewis. I mean, it was just like a, a, a amazing array of, of youngsters, man, of just getting called up last week. Royce Lewis, uh, prize shortstop uh, prospect. I guess he's prized, right? <laughs> uh, for the Twins, got called up. Uh, Carlos Correa finally hit the IL uh, today, the 10th. Um, and so uh, I guess, you know, the initial question was when they called up Lewis, a lot of analysts were saying, hey, well, how long is he actually going to stick with the team? So now, uh, depending on how long it takes Correa to, you know, uh, get healthy, yeah, he might be uh, might be around for a little while. Yeah, this... This roster, uh, you know, found some injuries and went from weirdly full to quite empty, right? They've Ooh. got five guys on the IL right, like five hitters on the IL right now, yeah. right? In Sano, Correa, Arias, Garlic, and Larnick. Uh, so, I mean, I do, I do like Royce Lewis. I think it's interesting where they put him in the lineup, having him hit sixth. Um, I... I I wish I was more excited. The primary tool here for fantasy purposes is speed. And I, I guess I, in most Roto leagues, I'm not trying to push that as hard. So while I'm watching Royce Lewis, obviously this was a number one overall pick. He was a highly touted prospect. Some of the shine wore off, but only probably because we've been waiting so long. He was drafted as an 18 year old. Uh, So I think what I want to see is, will the plate discipline stay good and how much power can he find? Right. Because what's a little troubling is, you know, as well as, you know, as well as he hit, he still only had what, uh, well, five home runs in 50 games. That's pretty good, but that's not like outrageous power. Right. And previously in the minors, he had much less power. It's really only been this year that we've seen that power break out. So let's see. Let's see what happens, I guess. Mm. Uh, And whether there's enough here to, warrant fantasy consideration in like the 10 and 12 teamers 15 right. teamers you have to because he's going to steal bases mm-hmm. but if you don't care about steals he becomes a very different looking prospect right right um and uh, you mentioned you know a bunch of hitters for the twins going on the il uh one guy that didn't but he's teeter-tottering and it's just a matter of time it seems uh is byron buxton has a little hip issue and uh, on Tuesday the 10th, he's not in the lineup, but it doesn't look like he's going to go on the IL uh, for this injury. But, you know, you just never know <laughs> based on his history. Uh, but uh, keeping our fingers crossed for anyone out there that rosters Byron Buxton. Yeah, and he's like, he's incredible. And <laughs> yeah, he I is. really want to put him in the top tier with Trout and Otani and Bichette and all those guys, but I can't yet because of that injury history, him mm-hmm. and Jordan Alvarez uh, and just some, maybe Lewis Robert. Those are like the three guys that I have ranked right outside that first tier. And they're so close to moving up. They're mm-hmm. so close. Like with honestly with Buxton, it's just give me more time where I didn't hear about a joint or you some elbow or hip or knee or something horrible, right? Mm-hmm. Give me a little, like, just show me you're healthy for one more month and then maybe I'll do it. Or with Jordan Alvarez, like, again, show me that you can keep hitting without knees. How he does this is amazing. He has no knees, uh, <laughs> basically <laughs> he's hitting. And then, you know, Lewis Robert has been so prone to slumps that I want to see if he can adjust out of those a little faster this season. But yeah, all three of those guys just, I, I just need to see that one more thing. That one more and Buxton is that it's just the health because otherwise mm-hmm. he's, I mean, I have him as my number 10 hitter and I feel good about it. Yeah. Until he well, gets hurt. Well, uh, you mentioned about uh, 
Alvarez's knees, you know, if he did have knees, he wouldn't be able to play because they'd be hurting, right? Get rid well, of his knees. Great pain. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and uh, take it from me. I, my wife uh, had uh, knee surgery, knee replacement surgery on one knee. She's going to have the other knee done in September. So, when you have knees, uh, they hurt sometimes. But anyway, uh, Bryson Stott is back for the Phillies because DD. Gregorius went on the IL, and unfortunately, he picked up right where he left off. Uh, he's uh, one for eleven as of uh, going into Tuesday's action. So, hopefully, better times for uh, Bryson Stott. He's just trying to prove that he's no Scott Kingery. Remember Scott Kingery, uh, top prospect for the Phillies? They gave him a bunch of money, and uh, basically, just uh, never. That's, that's uh, going to be really hard to do when you're <laughs> popping up in the infield as often as he is. Yeah. I mean, just a lot of soft contact. So I guess, I guess we'll see. I'm not really interested outside of, you know, only leagues right now, Mm -hmm. um, just because it's been so bad. It's not like it's been kind of bad. It's been so bad. He was really good in the minors, Mm -hmm. right? Like 156 WRC plus he's always crushed in the minors, uh, but he has a negative 10 weighted runs created plus right now, which just basically means he broke it. Right. Right. Because zero is supposed to be 100% worse than replacement. So negative 10 would be, I guess, somehow having an, scoring a run on yourself. I'm not sure how it works, but he's, <laughs> he's struggled. And um, there's the thing is, even if he turns it on, the upside was really more as an accumulator. Not so much like a loud tool like this one loud tool that's really going to set him apart. He's more of this hit tool plus across the board guy. So uh, the, the there's not enough upside to chase in all, but the deepest of leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, Padres uh, making some moves on Tuesday, the 10th CJ Abrams sent down to the minor leagues and Luke Voigt back off the IL have been dealing with a bicep injury. I guess, uh, uh, too much uh, picking things up and putting things down uh, for Luke Voigt, but now he's okay. But uh, C.J. Abrams, uh, look, you know, uh, batted 182 in 55 at-bats. You know, the strikeout rate wasn't terrible. 21.5 was walking 6.2% of the time. Was actually uh, 270 OBP, not great, but when you have a 182 batting average, it's not terrible, but uh, definitely better off getting every day at bats and, and, and refining that hit tool down in the minor leagues, in my opinion. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I'm not discouraged by what I saw, mm-hmm. right? He, he did hit too many balls into the ground. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff that we don't love, but he, his plate discipline was fine, right? This was never going to be like a, it, I never expected it to be a huge power thing. Um, right away, I do think that he's got plus power, but not, you know, crazy power. He's mostly hit tool and speed. So I, I saw, like, we saw a bit of the hit tool in that he didn't strike out a ton. Uh, he had great plate discipline, and we saw that he can run. He did steal a base, and he's, like, lightning quick, mm-hmm. right? So that's what we saw. That's what he is, and that's great. And, again, you can let him go right now in all leagues, even yeah. if you bring, like, even if he turns it on this season, there's not enough power there for some of the more shallow leagues. Uh, even if he got a full-time role, but he runs, he will run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A uh, couple of pitchers uh, to talk about real quick. 
because, uh, you know, when it comes to pitching, you know, Nick is the guy, Alex is the guy, but uh, Ryan Pepio is expected to make his uh, first major league start on Wednesday, the day that this podcast comes out uh, for the Dodgers. And man, imagine your first big league start against the Pirates, Scott. That's that's got to kind of excite you, no? I mean, he probably feels like he already played him. Right. In the minors. Right. Uh, So I guess, you know, there's, there's that he's, he's a big strikeout arm. Mm -hmm. I like, I like the kid. He's probably worth like a, a low end stream in a deep league for the win. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm not like racing to the wire or anything like that. This is, he is a, you know, highly regarded prospect on this team, but they have so many. <laughs> I know, yes. Mm-hmm. So many, even pitchers, right? Like he's what? I think he's there. He's like their number 5 prospect on Fangraphs and it's not their first starter, mm-hmm. right? They have like four of them in the or three of them in the top 6. Like they they have a ton of pitching. And then there's a bunch that they're developing and a bunch that they've drafted. So, I guess we'll see how all that goes, but yeah, this it's a great stream for a win. And yeah. it's a great way to get a win. It's to look yes. and see some of these little debuts. And it's like, hey man, if you can just throw five. Yeah. And also to get some confidence for, for the kid, right? The only thing that scares me about him, uh walk per nine for his career, a little over four, four point three. Um, so when I when I see that in the minor leagues, it, it scares me a little bit when you come up to the majors, maybe uh, big league hitters a little bit more selective, but uh, oh, still that's why you played against the pirates, Joe. That's right. That's right. Yeah, there you go. Let's give him this easy start to uh, build yeah, up. Yeah, problem team. solved. There you go. Um, Max Myers is a guy that uh, I'm going to try to stash because it looks like he's um, eh, sooner or later, probably sooner rather than later, going to be taking over for Alicia Hernandez. Uh, look at this guy's numbers this season there, Scott. AAA. 1.72 ERA, uh, 11.2 K per nine, 2.6 walk per nine. Um, I think it's time if you're in dire need of, of, of pitching, uh, Max Myers could be a good stash. I have a lot of friends I respect who are huge Max Meyer guys So uh, and gals. So I'm not sure I have a whole lot of meaningful things to say about them, but mm-hmm. I know yeah. that a lot of people I like and respect are very heavily in on Max Meyer. So he's definitely on a lot of my watch lists. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Ramon Laureano. Let's get away from these, these youngsters back in the bigs after being suspended uh, for PED. Uh, you mentioned uh, that uh, he has a tendency for slow starts and just to temper your expectations. Oh Yeah. He, mm-hmm. he definitely struggled. He has struggled in the past with slow starts. It's mm-hmm. hard to tell if it's like part of, you never really know. Like basically guys are called slow starters till they're not, or they're called second half players until they're not. Mm-hmm. And it only takes two times in a row for it to happen. Right. I, I recall Brian, uh, Brian Dozier got called a second half performer because of like two seasons where mm-hmm. he just went wild in the second half, but every other year he was normal. But he got he got labeled. Don't worry, he's a second half guy. He'll turn it on second half. He did it twice in like his bazillion year career. Uh, so, like I, you know, with Ramon Laureano, I'm a little more concerned about his like team context than mm-hmm. I am anything else. And that the ace can't hit. 
right? Yeah, they, they'll trade him. They'll just trade him. Anything that's not nailed down, A's are going to trade. I, you know, I believe that. <laughs> My expectations for Ramon Laureano are, you know, plenty of power, plenty of speed, right? Mm. I think that he can do like 15 to 20 home runs. I think that he can steal 10 to 15 stolen bases. Like, that's all great. Uh, what I am concerned about is mostly the batting average because we've seen it plummet from time to time, right? 2020 is the big one. Like he played most of that season. He hit 213 mm. over 54 games. He only hit 246 last season. Uh, and that was after he started, like he started really hot. That's when he, yeah, he stole like all the bases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been really streaky. And so he's worth rostering in every league, but like, just know that in many cases it will be painful, but you're that's, that's the cost of power and speed. You got to take it with the streakiness and the bad batting average because you didn't have to draft it. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move over to the hitter list there, Scott. Uh, you just added Eric Hosmer to the list. I know that a new one's coming out. Um, within a day or so that we'll talk about that as well. But uh, Eric Hosmer, uh, you just added him to the most, the previous list at 149. Is he now a decent option for fantasy managers who took a chance and rostered Joey Votto? I mean, uh, when you, you look at uh, what Hosmer's doing, nice season has a, a 397 BABIP. So you think that his batting average will probably normalize a bit. He's batting 351 coming into Tuesday's action has three home runs, 18 RBI. But when you look at what uh, poor Joey Votto is doing, man, 32% K rate batting 122, zero home runs in 22 games for Votto. So um, you think that Hosmer might be a good uh, replacement for the poor fantasy manager who's <laughs> at the deal for, for now. Votto? Sure. Yeah. Right. For now. Mm -hmm. So in most 10 or 12 team leagues, even if you have a corner infield, like there's, there's a lot of guys that you can cycle around in this whole range, right? This whole sort of air, like this whole first base, third base kind of thing. Like they're, they're all, they're all the same. And I ranked Eric Hosmer because he was hitting well, but if he had a slow week, I just would have dropped him. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that, first of all, that whole last like tier or two is a wash. It's a bunch of guys that I'm like, this is what I'm interested in right now. Let's see what they do next. Right. I, I would really do say that for the entire bottom tier. And then maybe even the tier above that as well, except th- I tend to think that those players have higher ceilings or something like that. Right. So Hosmer came in at 149 because it's like, well, I'll I'd roster him if I really needed a first baseman and I couldn't find something I liked better. Uh, but is he better than like, is, is Eric Hosmer better than Jonathan scope who is now heating up a bit. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and for, if he is for how long, I, I know I'm personally, I'm much more interested in Josh Naylor. If you can get him at first base, right. He's right. been real hot for the guardians. I really like his power. Uh, that'd be something exciting. There's, I mean, there's a lot of just guys out there that, mm-hmm are not rostered and Hosmer isn't necessarily better than them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with him. And mm-hmm. he is an adequate replacement for Joey Votto because an empty roster spot is sort of what you are getting from Joey Votto. Yeah. Except worse. Joey Votto. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. I'd probably rather have a guy like a Josh Naylor, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'd roster Hosmer. 
Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, there were a couple of names that stuck out at me and that made big moves. And then uh, maybe if you could kind of like, if you want to preview uh, some players that are going to be making some big moves in the new hitters list that's coming out. But uh, Charlie Blackman moved up uh, 30 to 97. Uh, Adolis Garcia moved up 16 to 88. Uh, Anthony Rizzo, Moved him up a bunch to uh, talking about his 30 home run, 10 steal potential and uh, Ian Happ. Now, you don't have to talk about all four, but I just noticed that they made some pretty significant move upwards uh, in uh, last week's hitter list. They sure did. And of course, a lot of times when I do that, people like hitters don't reward my confidence very well <laughs> right. uh, but Isn't that always the case yeah it, you know when you're in the middle is. of right you, you know you're in the middle of writing a, a, an article right and then all of a sudden the guy that you're writing about either goes on the il or uh, goes over four yeah i mean <laughs> i i wrote i mean i released this article and then he basically goes uh like it, it came out a little late but then he goes like one for 13 or something like that immediately mm-hmm. just immediately is there someone so, specific that one that did that to you I mean, that's Charlie Blackman. Yeah. Charlie okay. Blackman literally yeah. just did that. <laughs> Son of a gun. I, I moved him <laughs> up and then he just like didn't hit. So mm-hmm. uh, he's a big one. A lot of what's going on right now is the, the movement. The movement all happens, you know, the earlier in the list you are, the less spaces you're likely to move. But also guys like Aseya Suzuki, who is now slumping. You know, I mm-hmm. moved him up to 30. And now I like what's going to start happening is. I have to keep adjusting, right? Like the, the art of making one of these lists and really the art of ranking players in your own head is like, when do you start to buy it? When do you say, okay, this is the moment that, you know, I believe in say a Suzuki now, or I believe in Anthony Rizzo right now. Uh, Rizzo, I'm telling you, is going to move up again, mm-hmm. right? Um, I moved him way up in the last one and I'll probably move him up again because he just keeps doing it. He looks like the best version of Anthony Rizzo we've seen in a while. And, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the more like the more time goes on, the more aggressively I'll move them because I'll feel like it's weird. The confidence is almost more like a switch than it is a than it is like a gradual thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's sort of like okay, just let me. I, it's almost like I try to set it down over there and not look at it for a week and come back and like oh yep, there's Rizzo again. Mm-hmm. He's right up there. So you know, that's that's a huge part of the strategy. And what happens with guys like. Uh, Charlie Blackman is that there's like competing narratives and I have to decide which one I like and slot them in and then kind of see how it goes. Right. Mm -hmm. I might then have to change. You know, the one thing I don't want to, I don't want to fall into is think like I ranked, I can't move them that much or people will think that these rankings are meaningless. Like Mm -hmm. that's not the case. I will, I will change it on good arguments. I will change it on things that I just see. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's certain players that I'll keep, you know, that I keep up higher uh, for longer that and I don't lose faith in right away. Uh, Eugenio Suarez is one. I mean, he just had a terrible. He he's been hot and cold. He just had a terrible week. Spencer Torkelson. He's a guy that's probably going to drop a lot uh, because I finally have to start. Like I've been holding him because I'm like, man, if he turns around, you're going to get it. You're going to mm-hmm. see. And then it doesn't, and I have to start sliding him down. But that's sort of how. Uh, the reason I talk about it in such broad terms is because that's how this is all working. What's starting to happen is more and more stuff is settling in, right? So Willie Adonis is moving up from 62 to 50. He'll be the feature on the graphic uh, that J.R. Kane's made, which is 
it's just hot. I love it. It's mm-hmm. a great graphic, but like, because every, you know, every, every week or so that Willie Adamas continues to perform, the more I start to believe in that version of him that we saw last season, which is a top 50 hitter. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it just is. So that's like, I can move him aggressively now, but what we're probably going to find is unless he's hurt within the, within the next few weeks, these are like some of the most important lists. Cause that's where a lot of stuff really starts getting settled in, mm-hmm. especially like instead of just the top 25 being fairly settled, we're starting to get to the point where the top 50 is pretty close. Like that top 50 to 60 is pretty close to settled. Then it'll be like that top 75, then top hundred kind of like gets more and more settled. And then it never truly settles after 100 because mm-hmm. this, this list focuses on more shallow leagues. So it's going to be really aggressive in up and coming players. And it's going to push more like a lot of older players down. But just because I, you know, you got to take chances. You don't, you know, the best example I can usually give is like Gene Segura should always be a streamer in 10 and 12 team leagues. He should never be your guy because he is the definition of an accumulator. He just gets stats because he plays a lot in in a 15 team league that matters. Mm. You need guys, you played appearances are a huge thing. Like you need as many as you can get. Of course. But, yeah. But in the 10 and 12 team game, they actually become a bit less of a premium. It becomes less about getting innings and it becomes more about getting the best quality plate appearances or innings, Mm -hmm. right? That's what separates the teams in a 10 or 12 versus a 15. So like, obviously that matters in a 15, but it, you know, you almost don't care about the difference, but you know, those, those last, you know, an extra 10 innings doesn't mean that much in a 10 or 12 team league because the replacement value on those is really high. You can find 10 good innings, right? All that matters is you get as many of the best innings as you can, uh, which is a true strategy for all the leagues. But in like a 10 or 12 teamer, it's almost more attainable. You can actually like hoard these things. So like that's what makes it hard to keep certain players up for a very long time. But it's also it's also part of the fun of this whole thing, right? Like uh, right, right now, you know, on the current list, uh, let me see if I can find an older guy. Uh, JP Crawford and Avi Sayil Garcia. Uh, JP Crawford is an older shortstop. He's been hitting the ball well, but he's like all batting average. It's all the guy can do. So right now he's hot and I've got him up at like 114. And he could fall as low as like barely on the list or off of it. If he's cold and they bump him to seventh. What do you have Arias? Arias, he's actually going to drop off. Is he? He, uh, okay. he was 145 and now he's, he's all batting average. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's all batting average. So I just mm-hmm. can't keep him... I can't keep him on there unless, right? He has to lock. If you were to like lock in as the everyday uh, top of the order hitter and that team started scoring and he starts adding a bunch of runs scored to that batting average with his chip in, you know, seven to 10 home runs, seven to 10 steals, that would matter. Mm-hmm. That would be, you know, a top 125 ish kind of player. But until then, you know, like that's why Steven Kwan has been sort of stuck in this little weird universe because he's going to look really, really good on player Raiders because his Mm -hmm. batting average is fantastic. But eventually that's going to like the fact that he doesn't get a lot of counting stats matters and he's going to fall behind, especially in the outfield position. Yeah. Well, and you know, batting seventh or eighth, like he, he was batting. Well, he's batting at the top. Yeah. Yeah. His, his teammate, Owen Miller, you know, Buying into up. Yeah. Yeah. Batting buying into more and more, but early on he was hitting seventh or mm-hmm. sixth. And that's why I had to keep him down. Mm-hmm. I was like, if if he stays in this spot in the batting order, there's no there's no juice left in the orange. 
right. right? Like the Guardians don't have a deep lineup. So it's, you know, it's all it's all a balancing act. It's all a game. I mean, I mean Glaber Torres is a guy who's going to move up. He's, you know, the more or, you know, the less he looks like a completely lost hitter. I'm willing to be very aggressive on players, uh, but I also want everyone to sort of know that, like, it's because I'm trying to get it settled in. There's still so much we're learning and I have to move guys if, you know, the difference between two weeks and a month is a lot more than you think. Having two mm-hmm. weeks of data, I'm like, ah, this could still be a fluke. A month, could it still be a fluke? Sure, but it gets a lot more believable, yeah. uh, especially as a lot of those numbers settle in. So that's where, that's kind of where it's at right now. Um, I, I guess I'd also add a couple more guys that'll move up. Dalton Varsho, uh, mm-hmm. the more he bats lead off, the more I, I like seeing what he's doing. And I also, you know, if you're in Dynasty, it's great to see that he was, you know, catcher will be definitely locked in for at least one more year, no matter how many you require yep. uh, for the games um, and other players, uh, you know, other players may drop, but I mostly focus on moving players up. I start with moving players up mm-hmm. and, and then that, I'll yeah. start moving players down. Right. So like the, it's just part of the process where I know that I got grilled by somebody last week because they're like, how did you drop? Manny Machado four spots. I'm like, I didn't really. I just had four guys I needed to move up. <laughs> <laughs> and they went above him. Machado's moving up because he continues to be one of the best hitters in baseball. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, you know, it's, I I keep stuttering because I like, I'm staring at these rankings and it's like Boba has been bad. And I know people are going to ask why he's still in the top tier. And it's because he's Boba Chet. And right. I don't know how to, explain that in these rankings but i will do my best uh because it that you know what's weird is how much it matters uh to a lot of folks in the in the top 10 especially so i take the list very seriously uh it's going to be very fun watching it develop over the years and i just now moved manny machado over kyle tucker and it made me really sad so I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> uh, Bichette is actually heating up a little bit, uh, batting 292 over the past week. And, and I don't like being sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just a, a quick thing on Rizzo. You, you mentioned Rizzo uh, earlier on. You know, just watching him play every day, you know, as a Yankee fan, I wanted the Yankees to, you know, trade for Matt Olson, And, you know, I wouldn't have minded, obviously, if they would have signed Freddie Freeman. But watching Rizzo play every day, he's a player that looks very comfortable in the batter's box, very comfortable on the field, just like he, he seems very happy. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, you know, his batting average isn't that great, but he's hitting a ton of home runs with that short right field porch as a, as a left, uh, left-handed I'm batter. I'm just I'm staring at all these first basemen that are ranked right next to each other. And I don't know what to do. Pete Alonzo, Matt Olson, Anthony Rizzo, Paul Goldschmidt. Mm, Wow. (laughs) I I mean that, what do I, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) I I will rank them and I'll, Mm -hmm. I'll find a way. And they're all going to be really close to each other and Mm -hmm. people are going to have strong feelings about it. And I want to hear them. I really do. Even if you're just complaining. And last season, where would Rizzo be? Rizzo wouldn't have been included in that conversation. Right? Oh, not close. Yeah, yeah. Not close. He was a back end first baseman to draft mm-hmm, as a starter. Mm-hmm, yeah. And it was even you could get him even later before he signed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So really good stuff. Uh I love reading the, the hitter list. Keep up the good work there, Scott. And uh 
I guess we'll uh, talk again next week. That uh, slams the lid on things for today. Uh, and the next time that we're going to get together is Wednesday, May 18th. And, Scott, that happens to be Reggie Jackson's birthday. So uh, we'll uh, wish Reggie Jackson. Maybe he'll come on the podcast. Yeah, right. Uh, don't forget to follow me at Joe Galena. Follow Scott at If the Chew Fits. You could follow our podcast at Hacks and Jacks PL. If there's anything that you'd like us to cover, please let us know. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, wherever you listen to your podcast and leave us a nice review if you don't mind. As always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities and we'll see you next time.